0: Is there anybody out there? Can you hear the sounds? Is there anybody
1: listening? Hello, my
0: lovelies. Hi. Hi, and welcome to Simber Dialogues. I'm your host, Ducanio.
1: And your other host, Daryl, or Derail.
0: Derail.
1: Derail. That's what's going to happen to this podcast, because it's been how long?
0: Uh, two weeks. I know, I know. Hey, you know what? Life happens. Corona happens.
1: That's why I'm drinking Modelo. Second time I've used that joke. (laughs) Fortunately, this is... uh, I can't even pronounce that. It's the dark version of Modelo. It's like their dark beer.
0: Oh, why can't you pronounce that?
1: Is it Modelo Nigra?
0: What is that again?
1: N-E-G-R-A. I'm just reading the bottle.
0: Uh, that means. Here's a
1: description before you try to derail me. It's medium bodied lager with slow roasted caramel malts brewed for a rich, smooth taste for the 1%. Oh, 1%? Is
0: this the beer of the billionaires? Bernie wouldn't approve.
1: No, I'm kidding about the 1% part. But it looks like it's a 1% bottle. You got the. Gold tissue paper lining the top rim of the bottle. It's like the stuff you put on a nice present.
0: Sounds like a rich person drink.
1: Makes me feel better inside. So, how are things?
0: Oh, You know, just busy. I mean, I shouldn't be busy, but I am busy during this time.
1: Are you feeling a little Zoom-teagued?
0: Yes, yes. Zoom-teagued. That should be a word. Zoomteague. Let's coin it. Hey, we were the first one to coin this word. It's Zoomteague when you're fatigued through Zoom.
1: Now, what is Zoom for the layman out there?
0: Oh, I'm sure every layman knows about Zoom right now. But just so you have been living under the rock for the last three months, let's, let's talk a little bit about Zoom. So Zoom is this online... Um, video conferencing platform where you can have either one-on-one or you can have group conferences meetings as well as webinars so basically uh, the the most basic version of zoom is free so anyone and everyone can use it but if you want to have group classes and stuff then you have a premium version which most of the businesses are using right now
1: You know what someone back in high school Might have said in this instance
0: Nerd
1: Nerd. (laughs) Fucking Zoom conference calls Like I never even used Zoom before I had an interview at the end of last year That was through Zoom And prior to that I had very limited peripheral knowledge of Zoom
0: I mean we have used Skype in the past And Google Hangouts
1: That's different from Zoom
0: Yes and no
1: like zoom you have to pretty much be a premium member to do Not, it
0: no 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 that's the thing you actually don't even have to sign up for an account with zoom to use zoom ah, that's like the that's coolest the thing yeah so, is that why
1: zoom blasting is a thing
0: yeah so if you can get hold of you know the link anyone can access it now what they're trying to do is put in some security features on there so that uh there are passwords and there's registration and waiting rooms and people are not doing the Zoom Blast, but Zoom is free and anyone can access these links as long as they're shared with them.
1: But as a host, you have to be a premium member to have so many members or like beyond a certain number?
0: Mm, No, you can have, again, as a host, you can have a basic account and do one-on-one meetings, but if you want to have more than one person, then you have to have a premium account. So
1: that wasn't a no. My question was, you had to have a premium account to do groups. Yes, to hold a meeting. like Google Hangouts, where you can pretty much much have a big group of people for just like that.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Interesting.
0: Yep. Well, you know what? I think the next generation of kids, you know, what what are they going to be called?
1: The Zoomers. The
0: Zoomers, yeah. For sure.
1: Uh, Well, from what I've... Gained or read online, having a number of teachers as friends on Facebook, and just a lot of people that have had to use Zoom as a primary function for work, like you with your work and other folks. Um, I don't, I don't really see this becoming a mainstay as far as like main chunks of work. It seems like it's going to be more. I mean, I, I think there will be an increased usage of Zoom and other video chat things for work. But on the whole, I don't think this is going to replace much in the economy. I mean, maybe some administrative work, but I don't think they're—I don't think education is going to be completely supplanted by Zoom teaching anytime soon.
0: You know what? I was thinking about a very interesting thing. Even if I don't know how education is going to change in the long run, but even if we incorporated maybe half day of actual school work. And then the rest of your coursework you can just either do it yeah self- educate do it online through handouts or uh, even uh, I guess a zoom call would be okay too where these kids are not going to school and spending eight hours so yeah. instead like you spend three hours in school and then you can like do a couple zoom calls over the week or whatever and get your coursework done
1: what might be nice like growing up it was always a pain in the ass if you're sick for school, Whenever you finally went back to school, you'd have to go to each teacher and ask what their makeup ass- assignment was, trying to get all that information. If you had a good friend, maybe they would jot down notes or try to get you all your assignments. But imagine if every class had a, a Zoom call, video call feature, so like it could just record the teacher as her lecturing. A lot of professors do this in college. And if you're sick that day, you could still technically.
0: Attend it. Attend
1: it, yeah, from home. Yeah. And still try to get the gist of what was being taught. And
0: Absolutely. That
1: might be a nice middle ground here. Yes. So then you're not forcing sick kids to go to school. And they're on, not, They're also not getting dinged necessarily for being absent. Like if they're still participating in class remotely. It's like our system right now, you can't get sick. Yeah. And it's a pain in the ass because then you have to go to the doctor if you're sick more than three days. Well, kids get sick, people get sick. So if you had at least this option where you could still attend class remotely, you're not getting you're not getting cut out of like perfect attendance awards or not getting scholarships because you didn't attend every single day of the school year.
0: The only thing is keeping the students engaged throughout the class because what normally happens, and I have seen this with my experience with Zoom calls, is uh you know you're teaching a class and then kids are so distracted they just leave the meeting to grab water and come back 15 minutes later. So they're not really participating in the class. And since you're not there physically, you cannot put restrictions as to what the student can do and cannot do.
1: I would, I would think the general strategy would be the same if a teacher had actual kids in class that weren't engaged. Uh, good teachers will often interact with students during the lecture. And if they see someone not paying attention when this would happen to us, if we're acting like we're sleeping, not paying attention, they will purposely call on us. So all I would suggest is maybe have a smart podium up in the front of the room where they see the video screens of all the students that should that are technically accounted for attendance from home. Mm. And if you're not paying, if they look like they're not paying attention remotely, they're playing Candy Crush or some other shit. Call them up, like, hey, uh, little Jimmy over here. Uh, uh, what are your What are your thoughts on this? Or just mm. that might be an idea to at least help keep them engaged or help keep them accountable because then. If they're not, then the teacher can still mark them off as not being in attendance, and they'd still get punished. And
0: Well, that's that's a very interesting idea, for yeah. sure. Uh, so, talking of ZoomTig, tell me how your week has been, or the two weeks have been.
1: Two weeks as a whole? like yep. in, in what regard? Like work? Or... A work,
0: life. What have you been up to?
1: Uh, work's been pretty much the same. As I mentioned in the previous episode, my shift, or our shifts at work have been split up. So a lot of my coworkers have been working first shift, which is like 5 a.m. to noon, I think, or 11 or noon. And then I've been working from like a 1 to 10. Um, but it's pretty low-key at work. I, I can't complain. I'm just glad I'm getting the paycheck still. I know a lot of people are completely out of work and don't have any options for getting any sort of payment or money.
0: Did you get your stimulus check?
1: Nope. No stimulus check. I'm not – I mean, it's probably coming. I'm not – it sucks. I, I, I'm just glad we have enough financial security to not have to be dependent on the government being competent in delivering of resources like this. I
0: mean, I'm just, I'm just amazed that it has been almost four weeks – since it has been announced and it still didn't make it to my bank account
1: I don't know maybe they're discriminating because you're an immigrant okay. though you have a social security number so I don't know how they could you've been paying taxes I am a
0: tax paying resident of this country permanent resident permanent resident of this country yeah. I pay my share fair of taxes I a lot of taxes I pay my taxes
1: mm-hmm.
0: damn right God damn right so tell me about the stuff that you've been doing this week especially stuff that you've watched
1: oh well how about we intro into this because as you notice our title is foray into indian and south korean cinema so because of the re- recent shutting down of american cinema And new movies are probably getting pushed back and TV shows are being delayed and whatnot. So we're like, why don't we take this chance to explore the backlog of foreign cinema, particularly Indian, like India, Indian.
0: And why Indian?
1: Because you're Indian. Okay. And it's good. They're good movies. And we also watch. And it's not just
0: Bollywood, though. It's like not Indian Bo- cinema.
1: We've pretty much been avoiding typical Bollywood films. Uh, well,
0: not not really. We have watched a couple Bollywood.
1: Well, films. We okay. Out of the Bollywood we watch, we try to get the cream of the crop, the the good Bollywood.
0: Uh, not necessarily, but
1: When I'm saying, good, I mean, <laughs> as few as songs as possible within the film, because some Bollywood films, it's like every other minute, oh, singing and dancing. It's a like, it's a musical. It's it is a musical. But uh, I think the ones that we watched weren't nearly as bad in that regard. But they were the one was definitely bad in many other regards. And then we also watched one from South Korea, which we will talk about. Um,
0: so, so let's let's talk about the first movie that we watched, and it's not Bollywood, okay? So this is Tollywood, and Tollywood is different than Bollywood because it's South Indian movies. Yes. So the first movie that we watched was. Balubali. It's not Balubali. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, DJ.
1: Bahubali. 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 I spelled it wrong here. It's my bad. <laughs> Bahubali. What is Bahubali about?
0: So, what does Bahubali mean? I've told you that.
1: Strong man? Like, I thought it meant like strong man.
0: Bahu means arms. and. Strong ba-
1: arms. Yeah. Strong arm man.
0: Strong armed man.
1: It's very literal. So... <laughs> So
0: apparently this movie was um, one of the major, major uh, breakthroughs in the Indian cinema when we consider CGI and special effects. It
1: was like the first modern Indian epic on film.
0: Exactly. And it's an Indian epic action film. It's a Direct, trilogy, yeah, soon-to-be trilogy. Soon-to-be trilogy. Initially, they just wanted to do just one movie, and then... No,
1: no, no, no. They wanted to do two. two it's supposed movies. to be a two-parter, right, because the second right. one's called The Conclusion. Bahubali, The Conclusion. But now they have a third one on the way. Right. Don't ask.
0: So, the movie was released in 2015, and the director was S.S. Raja Mauli. and he's apparently of a, a pretty well-known, renowned renowned, uh, director for Malayalam, Telugu and Tamil films um, or movies. And then uh, this one was kind of inspired by all the Indian mythology and stories that South
1: Indian,
0: mostly South Indian stories that he had listened growing up. And he's listened from his grandmother growing up and he kind of like move them all together, grouped them together and created this epic which really was like a roller coaster right interesting it was a roller coaster right so the movie was about
1: let me summarize it okay i think it'll be more entertaining okay. a white guy and uh, summarizing all right so you have this character named bahubali but you're introduced to him as a baby and in the intro sequences this random woman with an arrow in her back is running away from unknown guards in armor, clad in armor. We don't know anything up to this point. It's just some woman running with a baby, being chased by armed guards, and they look like they want to kill her. So they actually catch up to her, and she ends up pulling a dagger out from wherever, kills all three of them, and then she goes to swim in the river and dies.
0: No, she doesn't just die, though. All
1: right, she doesn't just die, though. So she, she goes in the river, she drowns, but before she drowns, she sticks the baby up in the air with her arm. And as she dies, her arm pretty much becomes paralyzed in that position. So the baby is saved. That happens to be Bahubali. You're like, who the fuck is Bahubali? Let me get there. So we get this whole nice time-lapse sequence montage where it's Bahubali growing up as he's trying to climb up this waterfall. It looks like Pandora. So weather his at.
0: name wasn't Bahubali then. He was, he was taken up by this... Uh, a tribal group uh, who discovers him floating in the river and it looks like they were in him. a
1: Pandora, though. It was a yes, very yes, kind of Yeah, and they adopted
0: him, and his name became Shiva. Was it Shiva? Yeah.
1: I thought, okay, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, his name is Shiva at the time. And as he, he keeps trying to climb up this waterfall, it's this massive waterfall, probably the biggest waterfall of all time. And it's just impossible. Everyone's looking at him, laughing at him. It's like, oh, he's going to kill himself trying to climb up this waterfall. And every time he fails, he gets a little bit older and a little bit older and a little bit older. And then all of a sudden, he's this big, burly dude with a beard already. And his mom hasn't aged one bit. Um, oh, I should say his adopted mom. But anyways, when he gets that old, he's wondering where his mom's at. And he, uh, one of the sages there tells him...
0: Okay, are we just doing the whole movie? No, no, no. The, the, this is
1: probably one of the... Just like, all right, so... The intro. You can't.
0: You can't spoil Listen, it for the people. I'm not spoiling.
1: This is literally in the first like ten minutes. This isn't spoiling. Spoiling is like revealing the ending or the twist. But there isn't any fucking twist. So he finds out that his mother is pouring water on Shiva's phallus, not him.
0: Not Shiva's phallus. I thought it
1: was Shiva's.
0: Shiva is the phallus.
1: Shiva's okay. Shiva the phallus. The the. It looks like a phallus object. It's you see it all, all the little stores, and she's just. Uh, precipitously pouring water on this phallus in a very interesting way. So he's like, well, fuck that. I'm just going to steal the phallus and put it under the waterfall. So he goes over like... Why?
0: Why does he want to put it under the waterfall?
1: Because, well, he thinks by putting it under the waterfall, there's like a holy waterfall too. It's like your Shiva is going to be inundated. No,
0: you didn't get it. So the mom had prayed... To Lord Shiva, saying that I am going to pour water on your head or whatever, and if I pour it, then my son, you, you're going to listen to my prayers and make sure that my son is safe and doesn't climb up that waterfall to go up up to the mountains. So she was doing it all by herself, barefoot, like, and she was obviously to old protect her, yes. and getting tired. So what he does is like, oh fuck this shit, I'm gonna put, put it under the waterfall. I'm gonna put the whole Shiva fellas thing right under the waterfall so that there is like perpetually it is uh pouring water on shiva's head and whatever his mom wants and this the, thing all was the probably wishes. made
1: out of solid marble too it was it looks like a giant heavy stone block of bullshit <laughs> so he just carries this thing and everyone looks at him normally like oh oh hmm, yeah that's a uh, yeah shiva the great yeah this is great and then he carries this fucker over to the waterfall and it's like his mother's perfectly okay with this like it's like
0: so so tell me something about this what what did you take away from the movie what did you think about the cgi about the plot just just give me a general general idea about all
1: right it. so we'll go through the easy ones first cgi was up and down there were some sequences i thought the cgi was decent and then others uh like they had the was it the elephant yeah. Or they had that all the
0: animals actually.
1: The one when they were in the arena. Yeah. But no, the bull. It was that the giants. Yep. Yeah, that one looked fake as fake as hell. The CGI I won't dock too much. It definitely wasn't grade A content. Not
0: Lord of the Rings?
1: No. And Lord of the Rings is old as shit. It still looked better than this. Um what was the other story? Um, the
0: plot, the storyline.
1: All right. Uh, I probably wouldn't even be the best person to critique a South Indian film because I really don't know much about South Indian lore. So just from the novelty factor, I thought it was very interesting, but...
0: Man, I saw you, like, just so entertained by it. I've never seen anyone was, entertained so much by this shit. It
1: was just so such a ridiculous premise and movie, but it was just... It was... Time after time after time they were doing stuff in the movie I've mm. literally never seen it done in a movie or T V show before. Ever. Like from just the plot the plot lines, the story elements. Some of them I've seen, but just the the fact that he picked up a phallus and put it under a waterfall and then
0: Well, it's a very typical Indian thing I know. to do.
1: It's novel I'm just saying it's novel for me. So Well, of course, yes. So you're telling me Indians just go over and pick up Shiva Phallus and okay, put under a there, waterfall there are
0: like ridiculous things that some Indian like mythology or epic movies would do and it is insane it is insane but it, it, I guess like you know how you guys do witchcraft with you know, I guess uh, flying in on a broom from one place to another it's kind of similar to that for us
1: no one believes that out here
0: uh, no one believes it out there either or maybe majority don't but they still see it.
1: Uh continuing on with the plot. What did I think? All right. So, idea-wise, the premise-wise, I thought it was really neat and interesting. It was shit. Um, implementation was less than satisfactory. Oh yeah, I'm
0: gonna crack open one. About
1: time you're done drinking that pussy-ass coffee.
0: It was great. Now let's
1: drink some hard seltzer. Oh well, that'll 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 put hair on your mustache.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, white claw, hundred calories.
0: That's important.
1: It's it's the the drink of champions, made pure. Where was I?
0: That's why you're called derailed.
1: Derailed, you derailed me. Um, Yeah, the implementation was bad. It didn't make any sense at the order in which they told the story. So just the rough overview. They show the they show the current up to date shit, and then they have about an, after an hour of that, it goes back in time to the original Bahubali. Played by the same actor, by the way.
0: But that was his dad.
1: That was his dad. Is the same actor. Looks almost the same. They changed his hair a little bit. And but... his
0: name. His name too. The Bahubali. The ch- yeah, the child was called uh, Mahendra Bahubali and uh, mm. the dad was called Amarendra Bahubali.
1: Ah, what to do?
0: Hey, those are details. It if looks you, like the same gonna guy. A, if you're going to be a movie critic, you have to know the turn, details. Turn the
1: captions off and I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> um, So anyways, it goes back in time for the rest of the movie. Pretty much the rest of the movie until like the last 10 minutes where it's showing the whole story with Bahubali and where did it lead up to in the first movie without spoilers when it were worked... like, no who it...
0: killed bahubali Amrindur, oh so we we
1: saw the battle it went up to the battle there was a battle and then right at the end of the battle we didn't see what happened after mm-hmm. that until the next movie
0: yes it we wasn't just... a, it wasn't a battle but... she, he rescued the the mother
1: but we and... see who kills him they yes. show it they show it before the next movie yes that's not even a plot twist anymore. That's not yeah. that's stupid. Um so then the next movie starts off still in the prequel territory where that's going on for the But
0: before we go on to the next movie, the next sequel, who was your favorite character from the first one?
1: Uh fuck, I forgot his name. The guy that killed Bahubali.
0: Oh god, now you're like now you're it doesn't Repealing matter. The spoilers.
1: The, this movie is not spoiler Damn worthy. It. it doesn't matter. There's no. There's no spoilers. It just. Re- you find out that much about the guy. You like the guy more when you see more of him in the next movie, but you already know who he is and what he does by that point. They what did. What was it- his name? Fuck, I don't remember. Do Katappa. 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 I got it this time. Katappa. He's uh, this badass old man warrior soldier who happens to be like 85 years old by the time we meet him in the current time. And he can still fight because he was, what, a general before that in the prequel territory, which was, what, He 17? wasn't a general. He was just a soldier at he that time. He was a
0: slave. He was a slave. Was also of a soldier.
1: He's like the, what the president has with the Secret Service. He's kind of like that for the king. Almost, yeah. Like he just protects them and swears to give up his life if they're ever in danger. Yeah, he's this badass old man that can still fight while into his 80s I can yeah, I f- saw
0: you rooting for him like, yeah katapa
1: katapa um yeah I don't know George Rr R. martin did not write this script there if he would have wrote the this whole plot I think it would have been a lot more impactful when they showed the scene with katapa and Bahobili. and but I I don't know it just just the order of events was just...
0: Let's just say that the movie was very disorganized.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I guess it would have done a lot better if we had a good scriptwriter who would have strung the story uh-huh. in a more cohesive manner.
1: Like, if he just took the story elements... We forgot to mention the other part. But Hubali found out at the end of the first movie that his mother... His actual mother, not the one that he left at the bottom of the waterfall...
0: That's not the mother...
1: I know that's not the mother, but that was his mother.
0: Yeah, adopted mother and then his, Pretty much his biological mother. mother. She
1: she raised him from baby baby age. But yeah. his actual mother was actually kept captive by actual, his dad's brother. So his uncle. Technically, that was his uncle. Um, yeah, his uncle just kept her strapped up to a fucking wooden beam in the middle of town square.
0: I don't think it was the uncle. It was the cousin.
1: They were brothers.
0: They were cousins. Are you sure? Yep. I
1: thought they were brothers. They were cousins. Oh, never mind cousins. They looked very similar. Um, but yeah, they were... You'd see in the second movie how these two guys are badass warriors that just kind of kicked everyone's ass and couldn't couldn't die. Like, they could take a whole host of arrows to the back, and they're still fine. It's just like, oh, I would just cut them all off. We're good. <laughs> like, I'm Iron Man, the it original was, Iron Man.
0: It was definitely a little bit of a uh, mind scrambler.
1: <laughs> it's like, would this be fair to say, if you... Like, had Michael Bay direct a movie about South Indian folklore, this is probably the result. Or it's just this jumbled mess of nonsense. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, like, yep. he has some
1: cool plot elements, but they're just so disorganized.
0: It, was, it wasn't executed well, and it was not It was not cohesive with...
1: But you got to admit, the action sequences are pretty was, over the top.
0: It was ridiculous.
1: <laughs> they had the it porcupine so... shit where they, like, bowled up, and they got flung over the top castle walls
0: it was so but, ridiculous all
1: right let me just describe this one sequence just so you have an idea of what action well was let like people
0: this- see it and enjoy it for themselves
1: but this is this is the this is the thing that gets them to go watch it like have you ever seen an action movie about medieval warriors and they had a group of soldiers with shields they're like all right band together we're going to form a ball with our shields and we're going to get flung like a ball over tower walls, land, smash into the concrete ground, or the stone ground, and then come out of that perfectly fine, ready to fight. Yep. Uh, so what'd you think about Bahubali?
0: God, it was a clusterfuck of shit. It was a shit fest of ridiculousness.
1: Bahubali. Clusterfuck of shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean... I- so, uh, okay, let's see how much money it made, okay? So, it was... The first film ran 159 minutes. And... That's it? Yeah. First film was 159 minutes. Felt longer. Mm-hmm. That's what, like... 90... Two, two, hours, hour,
1: two hours. and a, Two and a half two, hours.
0: Yeah, almost. And... The budget of the movie was 180 crore rupees. Let's see what is 180 crore.:
1: Crore is what 10 million rupees I think so it lacks 100,000. I think it was 10 million.:
0: So 18 million. no
1: no 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 Eight, no 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 no. 180 million rupees
0: 180 million rupees I think
1: yeah, because it's 180 crore.
0: Yeah. No
1: and no no no. 18 would be 100 so it would be 1.8 billion.
0: No, that's not right.
1: I think. No. Let
0: me let me, let me me check right now, okay?
1: Because 120 times 10. 10 million.
0: God, we can't do math.
1: I think it's in the billion territory. That's has to be one of the most expensive Indian films ever made.
0: So one crore is 10 million.
1: Cha-ching! I'm right.
0: So it's 1.8 billion rupees, I mean. So I can't do math That means
1: Divided by what 65 right now 62 or no it's probably like 73 How many How many dollars is that
0: For Um, our local audience 72 rupees is One dollar
1: So divide that by 72
0: I'm doing it right now
1: You'll know The USD amount Yeah
0: One second So
1: it's talking to the two,
0: mic. Two, one, two, oh my god, I can't even. How many?
1: How many numbers do we have? One second. Seven is one million. Eight is ten million. Nine is a hundred million. How many digits?
0: Nine.
1: So that's in the ten millions.
0: So, twenty-three million dollars. Not terrible.
1: No wonder the CGI was shit, though.
0: Twenty. Tw- one, two, three. Two, it's
1: 23590468. Is that? If 23 in, million, right? Yeah, yes. that's not bad.
0: Okay.
1: How much did it make?
0: And it made 650 crores.
1: So, so. that would be what, five? How much did it cost? 120?
0: Yeah. So 600. it's almost five times. It little little made five times time. the amount. So about
1: $100 million. A little over $100 million, $110 Yeah. Million.
0: Yep. Damn.
1: In rupees, though. In yeah. rupees. Rubies, that's a yeah. shit ton of money. Yeah like a lot of money but compare that to like the typical michael bay transformers sorry michael bay that one was probably usually about 150 200 million dollars mm-hmm. but fuck man just think about this like we think hollywood people don't get paid shit imagine how much the production people in india get paid oh like shit like hey here's some rice yeah <laughs> here's much. here's here's a chunk of chicken Yep. you're lucky to be filming for us because this is bahubali you should feel honored to film for her movie.
0: All right, moving on.
1: Hey, the other what, one, we, we need to rate it. What uh, would you rate uh, it?
0: Uh, like out of what, five or ten?
1: Ten as a whole.
0: I would give it four. What?
1: All right. Well. What you, would you rate it as? In retrospect, at the time I was going like a solid eight just because I was having fun with it. I would I would still give it a passing score, I'd say a six point five because it was ambitious. It had a lot of interesting characters despite the flaws. You gotta admit, they had interesting characters. Especially the, the Well, way... I
0: guess you have never seen the dramatic Bollywood movies or Tollywood movies.
1: <laughs> well, maybe my opinion will go down, but for now it's at a six point five, and maybe we'll we will revisit this movie and rewatch it. Never
0: ever and... again.
1: But yes, I would say a 6.5, just because I, I had a fun time watching it.
0: Anyways, moving on. We watched another Bollywood movie, and this time it was Bollywood. Chak-dee, Chak India. Chak-dee, Chak India. And who was the star in it? Shah Rukh Khan. Wow, you know the name.
1: Everyone knows Shah Rukh Khan.
0: Not everyone knows Shah Char- Rukh You go randomly He's like the
1: richest actor in the world.
0: No, he's the second richest actor. That's in
1: insane. World.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure if you go and ask like any other American, like, who is Shah Rukh Khan, they're like, that's a Muslim name. I don't fucking know. Someone in Afghanistan?
1: Didn't he get, like, turned away at one airport in the world? Yeah, New
0: York. New York. Um, Was it? JFK. Yeah. That's embarrassing. So his name is actually blacklisted. Ah. Uh, well, kind of like there's a... There's a- Khan. Right? Yeah, but Khan, that's Khan. why. And Shah. Shah Rukh Khan, like it's a very, very Muslim name. And I think after 9 11, there were like, like a list of names that were considered uh, red flags. Mm. And he every time he comes to the US, he is detained and <laughs> they have to go through the whole process of verifying. And though he's done this numerous times, but it always happens to him and he hates it.
1: It's like, fuck the US, stop coming here. It's like, fuck it. Not worth it. Get a get a nice little villa in France, and like they they don't care. Too bad you can't bribe a TSA agent.
0: Nope, nope, nope. So, Chokda India. I, I, it was released in 2007, and I remember seeing it in a movie theater back in Calcutta in India. I think I was in maybe 12th grade. I, I I was high school, yes. Um, and I went to watch the movie with some of my friends. And at that time, it was, you know, my puberty-ridden head and, uh, you know, my teenage, I guess. Angst? Yeah, it was like, yes, that's amazing because it talks about women empowerment, you know? And now when I watched it again... I was like, yeah, but...
1: It's still an inspiring film. It
0: is an inspiring film, but just very, very typical of Bollywood, too.
1: But that was earlier Bollywood. How many films were coming out like that at the time?
0: Not many. So, Not many. So, that definitely was revolutionary at center. that time. Yeah. yeah. And sports movie, and that too, women's sport, was considered Field to be, hockey? Yeah, that was Out like, of all sports? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like That was definitely something out of the blue for us. Um, so, again, the premise is there's this disgraced hockey player who used to be the captain of the Indian hockey team um, because he lost the final match. Between the final,
1: sh- didn't he have like a penalty shot?
0: Yes, he had a penalty shot and he was playing against Pakistan. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but India-Pakistan has, a, has this distinct rivalry uh, and it kind of really opens up during sports, any kind of sport. So if there is, if there is any, you know, uh, say especially during the cricket matches, it's seen the most but it also happens, it also happens during uh, hockey matches, soccer matches. So anyways, there was this, um, so this player, he was playing against Pakistan and it was a penalty shot that he missed. And after the match was over, he was seen kind of congratulating and hugging the Pakistani captain and a reporter took a picture of him and that was kind of publicized as him Doing match fixing, which is kind of selling, selling, uh, I guess, selling the match away to the other team
1: for money. For money, Uh, yeah.
0: And then he was disgraced and ostracized from the sport and the society.
1: But he didn't actually do it.
0: No, he didn't. He didn't mean to do it. But
1: just being a good sportsman to congratulate the other side. Yeah, but
0: obviously it was you know a huge thing back then, and he was completely uh, ostracized. He moved away with his mom to some small village, (laughs) and then I think 15 years later he comes back to the Indian Hockey Federation and tells them that I need a job, and I see you have the Indian women's team, I want to coach them and. She should add add that the
1: women's team was highly disregarded by the committee and didn't even fund them. And uh,
0: let me so he wanted to coach the Indian women's hockey team and wanted to have them qualify for the world cup now in the u.s you can tell like women's sport even here is not considered to be the money maker we are not as interested in women's sport anyways apart from maybe tennis where you have you know a lot of money coming in but apart from that we are not really interested you know we have the WNBA, no one cares about we have the women's soccer no one cares though women's soccer world won the world cup Mm -hmm. this year but no one really cares um similarly in india it's even worse uh you know sports is not even considered a career for men leave alone women and on top of that the only thing that is considered as a career is cricket because that's the only thing that makes money not even for women just men's cricket
1: we should add it's not even just a lack of interest over there, at least at the time of the movie, but it was the people that were organizing these events didn't even take the sport seriously, which is a huge contrast with what you see with. At least I know for the WNBA, there's a lot of effort to try to prop up the sport. In That's this right industry now. More would right you, now.
0: Yeah. Would Would that happen? Even say, through the early
1: two thousands, they were really pushing.
0: This didn't happen in the two thousands. It was it actually the thing. Uh, the movie so was made in the two thousand, but it was based in, uh, let's see, uh, I think it was in the 80s? Is that the 80s? I think so. 80s or late 90s, uh, early 90s. Yep. Yep. So anyways, um, this guy, he comes back and he tells like, I'm going to coach the women's hockey team. These women who were coming, they were, they have very, very uh, limited means of training. They the team most, was
1: very disjointed too.
0: Because they were mostly representing their states in, in uh, India, not actually playing for India. It was like, oh, so-and-so from Haryana, so-and-so from Tamil Nadu. It was never like the so-and-so playing for India. They were
1: playing like it was an all-star game.
0: Yeah, pretty much, and they really didn't care because they felt that this is this is a hobby, more like you know you have you have to go back to your real life, be a housewife or be you know do some some basic job or whatever. But this guy really trains this team, you know, prepares them for the World Cup. Uh, and before, right before the World Cup, they have their funding cut, and they, they were give given to the a, men. Yeah, and they were trying to give it to the men, and then there was this challenge given to them that if they defeat the men's hockey team, then they can go to uh, the World Cup.
1: Spoiler warning, they still lose.
0: <laughs> which is which is refreshing. Which is refreshing to see, like, you know.
1: I, w- I was fully expecting the way they were having the men's team play in the second half, that they were just going to go the corny, cheesy Hollywood route, but didn't they still lose by only, like, one, the women? Yeah. But even after that match, the men that were playing against them were really excited for the women. And then people in the audience were really enthused about the fact and the spirit of the women's field hockey team. And they end up getting the money anyways. Yeah,
0: and then they go to, you know, the World Cup. They play. They, you Get know, their
1: ass kicked by Australia.
0: Yeah. And which then, ends up
1: being the final match.
0: Yeah, and then they win eventually. And, you know, the same same no sports old, drama yeah but but it was just refreshing to see a take on uh, a women's sport team rather than the typical Friday night life kind of thing
1: what I thought was kind of nice is that though you had Shah Rukh Khan in the movie it didn't feel like they were forcing his personality too much into the story mm-hmm. like I don't I don't feel like the movie ever completely lost sight of the fact that it was the team itself that was the focus and the characters of the team. Mm -hmm. They spent considerable time talking about the members and their differences with one another and their struggles. The moments where Shah Rukh Khan really shined was just being a leader for the team, trying to bring them together, but it wasn't about him. It was never about him or him saving the team. It was like making the team be accountable for one another so then once they win together, they can shine in that success and they can take pride in one another. And It was nice. It was... They could easily just made him like the superstar of the movie, kind of like the Rajni Khan films. And, uh,
0: it, was, it was refreshing for its time.
1: Yeah.
0: So the budget of this movie was, in, so they have been kind enough, Wikipedia has been kind enough to convert it into dollars. So it had been uh, $6.8 million. And box office, they made uh, $37 million.
1: So how much of that $6.8 million do you think went to Shah Rukh Khan? Four?
0: No, at least a million or two, I would say.
1: I'm guessing four.
0: I think it's two. It's
1: like they had nothing else going on in the movie as far as special effects-wise. There was just... They had, what, the initial field where they were practicing and then an apartment mm-hmm. and then the World Cup field that they were at, I think, in Australia.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, for sure, I would think a lot of it was Shah Rukh Khan, but they... <laughs> Also had, you know, other costs as well, I'm sure.
1: That's the biggest irony of this film.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: a good movie. It didn't feel like the typical corny sports film. It was mm-hmm. inspirational without being unrealistic. It was, was based on a true story, so they didn't have to fudge it.
0: Yeah. Uh, they, they did have some... Uh, they took some artistic liberties, I guess, but more or less they kept it more grounded.
1: Who is your favorite character?
0: Uh, my favorite character uh, has to be that little girl. Uh look like name? you
1: when you were smaller.
0: Komal Chautala. That was that was the one.
1: Badass fearless.
0: Like really tiny, this god. I guess mm-hmm. four foot nine inches. It's such a firecracker.
1: She didn't care who the hell she was going up against. Did they have the intro as her pretty much beating up on like three or four older boys, boys yeah. while they were playing field hockey and she's just running circles around them?
0: It was it was great.
1: Yeah. I think my favorite had to have been the uh, the bruiser. I don't remember her name, but the one that just wanted to fight everybody.
0: Oh, the Punjabi girl. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And like the whole movie, she's told to restrain herself. Bobby need-
0: core is yes. Was it
1: Bulby? Balbir Cor. Bulbeed Kor? Bulbir. Bulbeer
0: Kor. Cor.
1: Kor. Okay. I'm not gonna say your name anymore because I'll ruin it. But yes. Like the whole movie she's told not to fuck around and to calm down and to be more professional on the field. And then by the end, they're going against this team. Was it it wasn't Australia, right? It was a team before Australia. They I, think were...
0: uh, I think it was um
1: they were really dirty.
0: South Korea. Was it South Korea? Yes. That wow, that'll Korea.
1: be a nice segue in a bit. <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, the South Korean players are really dirty, and they were just attacking or doing... No,
0: no wait. Uh, no, no, no. South Korea was... No, they were really
1: technical. They had they had the man-on-man defense. Yeah, wait. It Was,
0: was it England?
1: It wasn't Australia.
0: Argentina.
1: Was it... Ar- yes. Yeah, they were dirty as fuck. Yes. They were, like, doing UFC moves. Yes. And the refs weren't calling shit. They weren't calling anything. They were tripping the other players. They were tackling them. They were just uh, body checking them on the field. So Shah Rukh Khan did the Shah Rukh Khan thing and told her, like, start taking some of them out. He's like, but coach, I can't do it. Just do it. So she goes, she like, she's just giving the green light to fuck them up. And that's exactly what she does. She just fucking tackles them and starts knocking them out. And they're over here crying fouls, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Well, the refs are doing their job. They're being consistent, and uh, they ultimately win the match and go on to Australia. It's a nice movie.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, feel-good kind of movie. Yeah. Guess.
1: Good characters, good memorable characters. It's, I mean, that's important for a sports film. Yeah. What would you rate it?
0: Uh, I would rate it... Seven.
1: I was second like seven and a half, eight.
0: God, you're generous. You're so it was, generous. It was
1: a well made movie. It was solid. It wasn't it wasn't more than it was it wasn't it was exactly what it, it intended to be. That's I, guess. I mean that's the way I judge it. But it was I, I mean it was a good entertaining film. Well acted. I didn't really notice any weak points as far as the acting was concerned. There's no obvious ones. Alright.
0: Okay. And then we actually also watched a diametrically opposite kind of a movie. Uh,
1: Feel good to feel bad.
0: (laughs) And it was called Article 15.
1: All right. What was this movie about?
0: So Article 15 is a 2019 Indian Hindi language crime drama film. Uh, It was written by Gaurav Solanki and produced and directed by Anubhav Sinha. wasn't so, he,
1: didn't he direct another movie we're talking about?
0: Uh,
1: or am I thinking just... The, no, my, that,
0: is, uh, that is Anurag Kashyap. That is the okay. other one. But uh, so this movie, very interestingly, like it's called Article 15, because Article 15 in the Indian Constitution, it says that it prohibits discrimination on the grounds of religion, race, caste, sex, or place of birth. So, this, though this film is not based on one specific event, it is inspired by multiple true-life events, including the 2014 Badao gang rape allegations and 2016 Yuna flogging incident. So, it's kind of, I mean, the way it was filmed it had a very similar vibe to True Detective, first season, first season, yes. the one with Matthew McConaughey and the, Woody Harrelson.
1: The cinematography, especially,
0: very very similar. And then it kept this rustic feel to it as well. Like if, I, well, I'm sure a lot of these, a lot of you guys have never been to rural, rural India. Like most of you, when you travel, you either go to the big cities or you go to Goa, and you know, it was definitely
1: pretty this this is like
0: what this exactly shows what rural India Mm -hmm. is like it shows how poor people are and also the uh, mentality yeah I mean what goes into building this this community of people in these villages Uh, so one thing in India which is which has been a topic of debate for a long long time and though it has been abolished completely it still has some roots in the culture and society so it is called the caste system. Now, what is the caste system? So in ancient India, people were divided into couple castes.
1: Almost like RPG classes where you have like the warrior, the cleric, the,
0: exactly, the mage. Very, very similar to that. So the, the first class was called the Brahmins. And Brahmins meant uh, the word is derived from the word That means anyone who has the knowledge of the universe. It's a Sanskrit word. Enlightened. The enlightened one. Then you have the Kshatriyas, who who are the warriors. So they are the soldiers. They are the protector of the realm. Then you have uh, the Vaishyas, who are the the business class. Mm -hmm. They are the ones who do any kind of uh, transaction, business dealings. Then you have... uh, Lastly, they are, then you have the Shudras, who are the the lowest of the castes, who do you know basic like um, I guess the, the labor the labor jobs. Not just labor, I wouldn't say labor, but stuff that the others wouldn't do. For instance, like burning of dead bodies. I or... thought there
1: was more. I thought I thought there was four, and then there was the Untouchables. I thought there was four, and then uh, Brahmin pr- should no. I thought the four were good
0: let me let me double. Check. i should
1: say good but they were okay and then i thought the untouchables are even below that uh
0: give me one second i'll i'll just tell okay. you
1: right now so could be wrong but just while she's looking that up i couldn't help but think this is like the indian version of dnd
0: oh like... you're, you're right you're right shudra sorry I'm sorry. Shudras are the like the lowest one uh, out of the four, which is who are the ones who does all the uh, labor jobs, like the farmers, not just the farmers, but you know any any kind of Still hard, intense, jobs. hard, and intense labor. And then you have the, the untouchables, the Dalits, or the... the Dalits, or the Harijans. They are the ones who are the one who are, who burn dead bodies, like do, do sewage, sanitary work, uh, and they are not considered to be one of the higher castes. But even Art. in this hierarchy, if you think about it, like Shudras, Shudras are not supposed to, you know, integrate with the the Brahmins. So the only two, the three, the first top three classes are the ones that kind of interact with each other in daily life. Shudras are more of the laborers and then obviously the elites, they are absolutely like Shit detached on me,
1: everyone.
0: from the society. So initially, like when this thing was this was created, it wasn't intended to be something rigid and something generational. It was created to to kind of um, suit the best of your abilities. It's so like see, job titles. Exactly. Like, you know, if you're intelligent and you like reading, you're a scholar, you would automatically be a Brahmin. If you are someone who's athletic, who likes, you know, who's courageous, you're going to be a Kshatriya. A voyeur. And, you know, if you're good with... Uh, business and you understand all these transactions, you're going to be a Vaishya. You know, and if you're more good at labor-intensive jobs, you'll become a Shudra. And then you know, if nothing else, you cannot do anything, then you'll be uh, you know, the untouchables, where you, you're burning dead bodies. You know, that's the last of the thing. But what happened was, obviously, human beings are, we, we like to preserve very, power. We do not want to let it go for generations to come. We're very tribal. So, what happened was something that was completely based on abilities became hierarchical, became uh, family. family oriented, like generational. Like so, here
1: the names were attached to certain yes. classes.
0: And then Brahmins just kept on being Brahmins, Kshatriyas kept on being Kshatriyas, Vaishyas, Vaishyas, Shudras, Shudras, and it went on for centuries.
1: Like, aren't both of your parents Brahmins? No.
0: So, my mom is a Brahmin. My dad is a Shatria.
1: Your dad's not a warrior.
0: Well, we come from the <laughs> warrior family inside. At
1: least your mom's in education. I can see that. But your dad? He should have been uh what was the business class? The Oh Vishnu... god, he's
0: worse at business. Are you kidding me? He failed at most business attempts he have done in the I could see
1: him I could see him having better odds of securing a business deal than I could beating the hell out of somebody else.
0: You've not seen my dad when he was young. I have seen him beat with be his bell bottoms you have no idea I've seen my dad beat the shit out of people man
1: maybe the casts are accurate then
0: no I I mean well it might just be a guy thing I don't know Uh, so anyways coming to the current times uh, it was caste system was abolished uh, I think 1950
1: in the constitution
0: 1950 when the constitution was made article 15 was introduced and uh, it was completely abolished funny enough or not funny enough, the author of the Indian Constitution, P.R. Ambedkar himself, was a Dalit, an untouchable. So it was his life's mission to make sure there is equality amongst each and every citizen of India. And so he introduced Article 15. Now, it was still kind of permeating through the society, I would say, for the last, you know, 50 years india got its independence on 47 1947 so 70 some years it is still kind of there's these lingering uh, you know reminiscence of the caste system not so much in the cities but you can definitely see still a lot there. of it you can there. definitely see a lot of it in I mean, you've heard coast. remarks
1: in the cities too where it still kind of lingers and it's not as prominent but it's there
0: yeah i mean i would say the Current generation, they don't give a shit, you know, they don't care. But definitely the older are a generation above us for sure. They do. Uh, it's
1: kind of like racism out here, it kind of trickles off generation after it's generation. Like for after you generation. guys, it's
0: like systemic racism, and for us, it's like sist- systemic casteism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just there.
1: Oh, but you can throw racism into the mix because it's like.
0: Oh, we're Indians? You're the most Indians are the most racist nation in the whole wide world.
1: You heard it here, first at the Simber Dialogues.
0: Uh, I'm not. Gonna, I'm sure there will be so many who would agree with me. Indians are racist towards their own people, and I don't want to generalize, but it is kind of true. Come on,
1: I was shocked when I visited India for the first time and I was seeing fairness cream commercials.
0: So, did you know this? Like, it has been banned right now. Yes, which is great. I feel. The problem is like out of all the good things that we have in India, there are so many, so many beautiful things to be happy about, be proud about. But then there are also these really deep, uh, you know, trenched problems that we have uh, that are now being addressed, you know, because obviously the world is so small and we are so connected and we see what is going on globally. And we can you know, look at a thing and be like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Why are we still doing it? um and i do see a lot of changes like for instance now there's a huge rise in uh, having dark-skinned actors and models like slowly you can see the crop of the new crop of actors and models coming up they're more like you know the the regular skin tone of india like so india obviously has this obsession with fairness and People might say that it is a post-colonial thing, which I don't think is correct. I think
1: it's... I know what it is. Yeah? Indians want a fair society. No. All right, what is it? Sorry.
0: Again, it just comes from the fact, if it is true, this is just one of the many... I guess um, options that we've been given so far is that uh, the Aryans had invaded India when like I don't know, some 6,000, years I don't know. Like Before 10, we get,
1: before we get too far, we're not we're talking like pre white supremacist Aryan race type people. Yeah, not
0: not not the Hitler's Aryan race. Not the
1: Hitler youth.
0: Not the yeah, not that. Like it's no. way, way, way before that uh you know bu-
1: we could talk about the swastika too not being
0: nazi yeah, orient I mean, origins when the when the when the Aryans had come to india from the caucasian mountains so these were horse riding warriors that had invaded india came through the hindu kush mountains and uh,
1: did they just find a not too long ago or at least within the last few years they found an old uh, what do you call those? Like a, a Dobo-type mountain-carved structures from like the time... Like there's an old actual Aryan village I think up in North India.
0: Are you talking about the Indus Valley civilization? Yes. It's not two years ago. They had found it back in 19... Let me just... Let me... I will Well,
1: how about this? It's when I discovered it through you.
0: Well, that's not two years ago. Oh, my God. No, wait. I'll tell you when it was discovered.
1: What, was that related to the Ari- no. Aryans? Or so
0: no, so the Indus Valley civiliz- Civilization predates the Aryans. So uh, it was it was anywhere f- anywhere from 3300 BC to 1300 BC. That's before Christ was born.
1: BC doesn't mean before Christ was born. Whatever,
0: it was, you know, what I mean. Uh,
1: Christians just wanted to claim that for their own. But not anyways, gonna say anything.
0: <laughs> but anyways, when the Aryans had Aryans had uh, come in to India and they had occupied the Gangetic plain, the northern India, these people who had come in, they were all very fair skinned, uh tall, uh having sharp noses. Red hair. Red not red hair, blonde hair. Um And then when they came in, the native Indians, the ones who were actually there way, way before the Aryans were, uh, and they were mostly called the Dravidians, they were were darker-skinned people. Now, obviously, these invaders who came in considered the Dravidians to be the enemies and tried to uh, expand their territory while the Dravidians were kind of resisting that. And slowly, they obviously, these men or whatever the soldiers they were they overpowered the whole country and took control so you know it's the victor and the vanquished philosophy is the vanquished always look up to the victor and think that oh if i am if i was like the victor if i looked like the victor then i would not be the vanquished uh
1: apparently i look like matt damon so
0: can you like not be narcissistic for like one second
1: I didn't say it.
0: You're claiming to be now.
1: I didn't. I was called that. I was told earlier today that I look like Matt Damon. So,
0: and Matt Damon is crying in his maybe, bed right now. Maybe
1: my bank account will fill up like I'm Matt Damon. Sorry, continue.
0: So, you know, that's what the thing is. It's uh, that I think that's where the whole obsession for lighter skin came from and it kind of was reinforced with the colonial rule as well
1: milk toast europeans with their white pale white skin anyways back to the movie
0: yes oh my god i i derailed way more than you did derail
1: hey this is an educational podcast people should be learning and Learning we do.
0: So anyways, (laughs) Article 15, back to Article 15. So this film kind of begins with a group of villagers singing a song, engaged in a song where, uh, while there were like two of the Dalit girls who were kidnapped and were missing for the last week or whatever, and then there is this new... uh, IPS officer, Indian Police Service officer. Uh, I think his name was Ayan or something. Wasn't and... he
1: expelled or not expelled? But he was punished and he was told to. No, he come wasn't to ev- punished.
0: No, 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 well, no. They
1: transferred him because he wasn't.
0: He he was an IPS officer. He was a new IPS officer. So they always push mm. young IPS officers to from go to Delhi the, from to the rural in India mostly. Okay. So even if you're a doctor. So in India, this is the thing, and I know this is not a thing here, but in India, if you. If you're a recent graduate from a medical school, you have to serve in the rural areas for the next two years.
1: It's like hazing.
0: You have to. Because no one wants to go to the rural areas because there's a lot of uh, a lack of facilities out there, so mm-hmm. they, they send the young ones out there first. So similarly, here, this guy who was a recent graduate of the Indian police service...
1: Also a Brahmin.
0: He was a Brahmin, which we later learn, and he got... Uh, transferred to this place called lalgao and
1: is it uttar pradesh
0: it was in uttar pradesh and uttar pradesh is uh, a state in north of india uh, it's huge it's huge it's like think about it like texas you know uh, or montana
1: it would probably be a better yeah a lot of farmland
0: farmland farmland um So there he's introduced, actually introduced to actual caste discrimination. He never faced this while he was in Delhi. But when he came to this village, he was like bombarded with these casteism where he stops to buy a bottle of water from a local shop. And uh, he's told by one of his officers that please don't buy from there. We are not allowed to have that water because they are of a lower caste.
1: We should we should preface this. We find this out as well. Pretty much everyone in this village, unless I was mistaken, are variations of the Dalits. But they had they had their own caste system. Within. Not everyone, no. A lot of them
0: seemed like they were, like a lot of those police people he was talking about. No, not all, no. No, 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 no. No? There was just one who used to be a Dalit. He was a sweeper, like a, a janitor for a school, but he worked hard and due to the new... Uh, system in in the in India, where you have the scheduled caste and scheduled tribes and other backward classes to actually qualify for all these government positions, he somehow cleared it and became uh, one of the police officers. So mm. that's why he was like, kind of ridiculed by I the... Thought,
1: I thought when they were talking, though, when he was coming over and ridiculing all of them about the caste system, I thought they had... Not all,
0: all of them were Shudras, no. So there, was a, not, there not... were Brahmins, there were...
1: I thought they created new names, though. I thought they had new labels. Like, they were no, all no, no, they were no, no, no. all scheduled castes. I no, think. not all. No?
0: no, no, no. There were Brahmins. There were Vaishyas. There was, uh, uh, you know, Kshatriya. And then there were Shudra. And then there were Dalits. I know And that. between the Dalits, there were couple Dalits. And between the Dalits, they had different sects. Where they one was like, "Oh, I'm this, but I'm better than that."
1: That's what I'm talking about. But
0: not everyone though.
1: Okay. Yeah. Just Just with that particular scene, everyone. No,
0: not everyone. No, no, no. The Brah was there, who was a Brahmin. Then there was the other guy who was the clerk. He there was, was a, a few of
1: them though. Because they, was... they were saying, "I'm still better than this guy."
0: Because... Yeah, there were like there were three. Okay. That had that. Not everyone was. All right. My bad. Yeah.
1: But they're still petty as hell.
0: Yeah, it was just weird. Uh, yeah, and then um, so. Why, why don't you explain after that what happened?
1: Um, so he, uh, being an outsider cop, he had a very clear-eyed view of what was really taking place. His wife was an academic or someone else in the city that was also very clear-eyed as to the, the faults um, with the caste system and just the problems facing India as a whole. So what he was tending to do was giving very practical, very rea- realistic solutions to uh, many of the problems that were facing this village as he was investigating the murders. or the, uh, Initially, it was just the disappearance of these girls. Um, eventually, I think a number of them I thought were murdered, but there was one that was still alive that they were looking for. At least they didn't find her body yet. But. As he's investigating this, it seemed like more of the story was um, him digging into a lot of the corruption with the fellow police officers and how corrupt they were and how they had this mentality of not only adhering to this backwards caste system, but they have in India, especially in the villages, they're very their hands are very tied with the whole corrupt political system as well. So if anyone listening has listened to or watched Chernobyl, how they were very interested in pleasing party leaders, the same with the police officers in this village were with their party leaders. And he noticed that a lot. Like uh, when he's starting to investigate this and wanting to report this, a lot of the police officers are kind of doing a shitty job at gathering evidence, talking to witnesses, is not doing what typical police should be doing during a, a missing person case or a possible murder case or rape case. And when he pushes the envelope, uh, there's this one cop, piece of shit. Like you see him on screen, you just know he's he's a piece of shit. Uh, he's like, "Oh, are you sure you really want to push it this far? Like, do you really want to upset the balance? Do you want to make a lot of waves here?" And he's like, "It's like, fuck yeah! Like, why wouldn't I? This is." We got a girl missing right now. We need to find her, and we're going to put whoever did this in jail. And you could see the cop was kind of squirming, and every time the outside cop would leave the scene, you could see that cop uh, bullying some of his underlings and how they were having to follow him because they were, along with caste being a rigid hierarchy, there's also a very rigid political hierarchy in in India due to the corrupt nature of things, unfortunately. so it's a lot of ass-kissing and a lot of um, back-scratching and a lot of covering up for one another because everyone's pretty much corrupt at some level. A lot of people taking bribes, a lot of people taking advantage of their power. Um, I don't know. How does that sound so far as far as a premise?
0: hmm Yeah. And then, well, I don't want to spoil the movie for people. I want people to go watch it because it's really good. But... the thing that permeates through the movie is again the thing that permeates through the movie is again I think um, this this uneasiness that you feel while watching it you know how you think that one human being can treat another human being with so much hatred and dismiss the existence even of another human being just based on how they were born or where they were born.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's really not much else I'd want to talk about plot-wise. It's a great movie. I felt that it was a very good primer for anyone that's not familiar with the caste system in India or familiar with political problems in India to kind of get an idea of where things are at um even today i don't think it's still that far off or uh, how things are i know some people were criticizing it kind of how like uh, in the u.s when we're talking about racial issues if you have a typical stereotypical hollywood movie where a white person's coming in and saving a black community there were people criticizing the movie for a brahmin coming in and saving a bunch of deletes i didn't see it so much from that way i mean i know as an outsider i don't have much room to talk about that but it seemed like i'll just say they tried to end on a happy note or a hopeful note they didn't leave you feeling completely disoriented as to how corrupt things really are in india but it definitely served as a good entry point into indian political issues and social issues and anyone that just wants to learn a little bit more about um, issues plaguing the world outside of the u.s this is probably a solid movie to start on.
0: Yeah. So this movie had a running time of hundred and thirty minutes. And its budget was twenty nine crores.
1: I can see that. It it looked like a solidly solidly made film.
0: Mm-hmm. And it made ninety three crores in the box office, so pretty decent.
1: Should see more movies like this son.
0: Mm-hmm. And what would you rate it
1: at? I would say... I would say an 8.5 to a 9. I mean, I'm, I know I'm usually pretty generous with films, but I, there were, again, no weak spots in this movie. The cinematography was beautiful. The acting was great. I mean, I guess my... Not being able to understand the native language. I probably wouldn't be able to tell you as much about how their delivery was. But as far as the dialogue was concerned, it seemed like their facial expressions when they were acting was good. Um, The plot was, I mean, sort of based on a true story, sort of fabricated. Or he said it was a mishmash of multiple stories. It was still a believable story. I I thought it was a pretty solid movie overall. I mean, there's a little bit in there for everybody. Soundtrack was really nice.
0: I would rate it at 8.5 for sure.
1: Yeah, it's a good movie. All right, now on continuing on the trend of downward movies, what was the next one that we watched?
0: Uh, We watched another movie, really grim, (laughs) called The Black Friday. All
1: right. We'll be a little more brief on this one, but it was about the Mumbai bombings in what, 94?
0: 1993.
1: 1993. Yep. And this was about, what, 16 or 17 years before the second wave of...
0: The terrorist attack on the Taj yeah, on... Hotel.
1: Yeah. So this whole movie was just kind of leading... It initially started with the bombings. You see the bombings as, they... as all that under is played out. And then it backtracks and mm-hmm. backpedals and shows all the events leading up to the bombings.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, like, one thing I feel, there's so much to talk about for these movies. Like, specifically, I would say, this movie, there's so much background to it. Yeah. And also Article 15. I think we'll have a whole separate podcast just talking about it because it's so...
1: It's a very... There's a lot going on.
0: It's a lot. Like, you know, there's so much backstory to it. And if you don't know about it, you would not be able to understand why it happened
1: now can we can we just throw in there without we don't have to spoil the movie or anything anyone's familiar with uh those events would know but what would be the bit of information that you would want to include for someone that's not familiar with recent Indian events or current events to it's an oxymoron what would they need to know going into this movie to for some of the events to make sense
0: uh well they have to understand that india is a multi-religious country a secular country for sure but it has it it houses multiple religions and two of the major religions is uh islam and hinduism hindus make majority of the population islam is uh the greater minority i would say and there have been a lot of communal tension between the Hindus and the Muslims. There have been riots in the past, you know, not just something recent, but this has continued uh, from a very long time because uh, I guess the Mughal invasion, the British colonial invasion uh, and their policy of divide and rule. So it, it's still very, very existent in even in today's current Indian society. And when you watch this movie, look at it at uh, how these riots were created and um how common people are not really uh responsible for it but they are manipulated easily to be a huge part of this to make these riots and they successful. Have to be the most
1: Victims of this as well.
0: Exactly. So it's not bystanders. Yeah. So they're 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 the pawns and the scapegoats of the political leaders trying to gain uh, power and uh, I guess um, votes of the people.
1: Now there there were a series of events that lead led up to this movie or the events in this movie that they didn't really explore. What you informed me of, can you tell me about those? Just to kind of give more of a base. It's like you had what they lead or what they tell you prior to the bombings is that there were Hindu riots that killed a lot of Muslims mm-hmm. and destroyed a lot of Muslim businesses, which led to the uh, extremism by the people that ended up carrying out the bombings. Mm-hmm. So what led up to those Hindu riots? They didn't yeah. talk about this in the movie.
0: It's a, it's a long story.
1: Oh, give me the short end.
0: Um, well, during the Mughal invasion, Babur was the first Mughal invader who came to India. And when he came to India, he had destroyed a lot of Hindu and Buddhist temples and monasteries and erected uh, mosques in place of those. So, one of the areas where he had erected these mosques was in Ayodhya in Uttar Pradesh this temple which was there was believed to be the birthplace of Lord Ram who's one of the significant um, I, I well not a religious deity, figures uh, it's a fictitious figure, figure it's not even like real we don't know it for sure but he like
1: the birthplace of Jesus
0: uh, I guess it's a yeah.
1: revered place for Hindus yes. how about yeah, that yeah. say that?
0: So anyways, there used to be a lot of, you know, tension, communal tension for that. Uh, In 19, I think, probably 1937, the first time there was actually um, some evidence that were found where it was believed that there was actually a temple um, inside and it had figures of these Hindu deities uh, And there were riots, and the British kind of, you know, British was still ruling India back then, and they kind of subdued the riots. And then after the Indian independence kind of resumed here and there, uh, and then I think in 1993, BJP came to power. and.
1: uh, Well, you're saying that, okay, just backpedal a little bit. Leading up to that, BJP and some similar parties mm-hmm. were using that destruction of that idol as political fodder to yep. kind of stir up political support for to get their...
0: the get more hindu votes yes so the then bjp leaders lk advani and also Marindra modi who was also uh current yeah,
1: prime minister Trump,
0: yeah they were all involved in that and they did this long procession where they marched from delhi to ayodhya oh, sorry gujarat to ayodhya i think they did this whole procession and the hindu volunteers for the those processions actually almost uh brought down the mosque in a way by throwing uh stones at it. So it kind of went a little out of control. The Hindus, you know, obviously really riled up with adrenaline and the fervor and whatever it was, religious fervor, they went around uh, destroying a lot of Muslim businesses and uh, killing people and even lynching them and uh, raping a lot of Muslim women and obviously that. Did not settle well with the Muslims, and they a lot of them decided to fight back. And they could not fight back, right at the moment, and that's where that became the breeding ground for future terrorist uh, activities, ideas, and the Bombay bomb blasts were the result of that. It's
1: like tit for tat. So a lot of so, communal tensions that just kind of... So
0: Gandhi had a very beautiful line. He said, tit for tat will... Uh, sorry, an eye for an eye. <laughs> tit for tat. No. An eye for an eye will lead the whole world blind.
1: And that is the quote that we are introduced to right at the beginning of the film. And by the end of the movie, you know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. Just constant bloodletting and fighting and feuding. And it never ends. I mean, it doesn't matter who's right, but it's just, when does it end?
0: Yep. um...
1: So anyways, great film. I wanted to talk a little bit more about the cinematic choices that they had with the film. Uh, There was a number of different sequences in the movie. They had torture sequences, they had trying to think of all the different color sequences they had. Like during this torture moments, it was red. Yes, they had like a red overlay over the film. Probably a red filter on the on the cameras. It's really neat. did they have some scenes where it was but blue? the
0: terror, the the bomb blasts, they were all blue.
1: Okay. Did they have any that were green? Mm. I don't remember all colors. I
0: don't remember. The red
1: ones definitely stuck out. Like a sore thumb. The blue, it kind of looked more like vintage because they were were going back in time. All the torture scenes were current, present day, at least within the film. Um, But yeah, they, they had some very nice artistic choices that kind of drove the point home as to what we're seeing. They could have just did a more documentary style take on the events, but they... I don't know. The presentation I thought was excellent. It didn't feel. It was a pretty long movie, but it didn't feel like a long movie. Mm-hmm. And with everything going on, I, I think. The the color choices that they had helped break the story up a little more, make it a little more memorable as to what was happening in each sequence. Like there's a clear break. If, I, I think if there was the same if it was the same color color tone for every sequence, it would be hard to differentiate where the hell we're at, what's going on, kind of looking back, what to remember. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I love the movie. It's a hard movie to watch, but for all the right reasons. The acting was great. Uh,
0: I think the the best part was the twelve minute police chase thing
1: was that when they were running after the guy and he kept getting out of breath. (laughs) It was almost comical. It's like you thought the guy was going to cough up a lung. So,
0: just so you know, I found a fun little tidbit. that 12-minute police chase sequence in the film was improvised and shot in the Dharavi slums. So the whole thing was improvised. Huh. Wow. It was neither in the script nor in the book.
1: So I'm wondering how they they it must have been improvised within wherever they had the cameras, because you can't improvise. You they'd have to have some level of planning. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, I, I I'm assuming they probably had the cameras already stationed. It's like all right, you run through these, do whatever you want, within legal reasons, mm-hmm. legal bounds, and that's cool.
0: And he wanted to use that chase sequence to show the criminals' background and the exhaustion of the police. Yeah how how frustrated and desperate they were to catch these bombers
1: it did just that I, that drove i think that was probably what about an hour and a half into the movie Yep. hour 45 minutes mm-hmm. I mean, by this point the cops had nothing they were just i mean they had a little bit here and there but they were grasping at straws and yep trying to get some solid meat we should we should end on this as far as this movie is concerned. The the main culprit, the one that planned this whole thing, he's still out in the atmosphere, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Isn't he hiding in Pakistan? Yep. Uh, he never got caught. Yep. I know who he is, but he never got caught. Nope.
0: He found he got asylum in
1: Pakistan. Eh. Uh, asylum's a tricky thing, but without it Julian Assange would be in jail.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Um, what do you think of the movie?
0: Oh, I, I felt it was very hard hitting, uh, especially like, you know, my background and my knowledge of why it happened. Uh, so I would give that movie definitely 8.5 out of 10.
1: I would go a solid nine. I mean, for the time it was made, 2004, uh, that that style of filmmaking, I don't even remember being in much of a thing in the U.S. outside of select films, and I, I mean, I, I think they aim for the fences, and they definitely got there. They didn't. I mean, I I don't feel like there was any major weaknesses in the movie. It's good pacing. There's a lot going on, but unlike Bahubali, they actually made a coherent story. Uh, they made all the characters interesting. Um,
0: so the budget of this film was only $900,000. And the box office, they made $1.1 $1. 1 million. Like, mean, not much. That's
1: grossly undervalued. But yeah. I'm sure... That, they... That's
0: probably because this movie was not actually... Uh, there was no... Uh, that
1: was at... No what?
0: release, like no...
1: Um, no wide, releases, wide release. limited.
0: Yes, limited releases. And then... It also I think got featured in it got delayed
1: till 2007.
0: So yeah, so it won the grand jury prize at the Indian Film Festival of Los Angeles and Locarno International Film Festival. Uh... Yeah. All right, yeah.
1: Good movie, great movie. Hey, you should probably add in the fact Correct me if I'm wrong, but you said this is the first time actually watching the movie as well.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. This is the first time I watched this movie. That was
1: kind of cool. Yeah. Though, Bahubali was also the first time you watched that movie with me, but that one's not nearly as old. We've known each other since that movie came out, I believe. Is that 2015? 2014?
0: We've known each other since 2013. When
1: did Bahubali
0: come out? 2015.
1: So yes, there's an excuse there because we don't like to watch shitty movies normally unless it's the room yeah um all right so for the last one that we want to talk about for today uh memories of murder this is our south korean movie that we watched
0: so just to give you guys a little background uh i have been learning taekwondo so I kind of slowly started having some sort of knowledge about South Korea, the Korean terminology. I can count uh, from one to ten in Korean. You want to hear it? Yes. Okay, let's do it. You know it as well, right? Repeat after me. Una. Hana. Hana. Do. Do. Set. Set. Net. Net. Daso. Daso. Yaso. Yaso. Yogo. Yodo. Yodo. Aho. Aho. Yo. Yo. So that's one to ten in. Korean and since we were in the uh, mood of watching international films anyways uh, we thought that why not watch some South Korean movies we had watched the parasite by Bong Joon-ho I think uh, maybe like two months ago so we researched and found out about this movie by him as well which was called the memories of murder Uh, It was co-written and directed by Bong Joon-ho and is based on a true story of Korea's first serial murders in history, which took place between 1986 and 1991 in Hwaseong, Gyeonggi province in Korea. So the film kind of starts off with this detective, Detective Park. and. He is seen um, investigating a crime scene. So there's this sewage tunnel, I think.
1: It's like a, a drain pipe.
0: A drain pipe, right, a drain yeah. pipe. And he was trying to look into it. And while there were like kids running around, um, I, I kind of really loved the initial sequence <laughs> because
1: that the kid kept mocking everything that he was doing or repeating.
0: So it was almost like a, like a glimpse into the personality of the cop, like how, you know, chill he was, and in a way childish to kind of always trying to, uh, like believe that he has the answer to everything, and slowly, the the film progresses into this really dark place uh, I I just felt that it left me thinking so much about uh, how investigations were done back in those days how police
1: especially in South Korea
0: yeah I mean in a different country how it was it was um, managed how the process uh, the, pro- the processes um, were uh, and then like, just, just not try not being able to catch a criminal because of the limited investigative skills of the officers.
1: Slash, technology available to them, which really hampered their efforts, especially with uh, DNA matching.
0: Yeah. It was, I, I thought it was a pretty cool movie.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the movie too. Um, it's, after watching Parasite, I can see why this director has become so revered and not just south korean cinema but finally in world cinema with uh, parasite getting the first foreign oscar for
0: not foreign it actually got the oscar uh, for
1: the main uh, the best picture yes Fr- best first foreign movie to win best picture
0: exactly yeah yes. no, it did not win in the foreign category but actual, that's why yeah.
1: that's what i was trying to lead to mm-hmm. um and we were talking about this a little bit. It's kind of like a how Wes Anderson has a similar cast of characters, mm-hmm. or
0: so this uh, Bong Joon Ho really works well with Song Kang Ho, or Kang Ho Song. That's what it's called, I think. So here's the funny thing about Koreans, right? Um, I think it's not Bong Joon Ho how we say it. I think it's Joon Ho Bong. Should ask him. And then Kang Ho Song. I think it's like the last name is written first, and then that's what I heard from my Korean master. So I, I might be wrong, but you know I, ha- I have that information from a trusted source. So I think it's not Bong Jun ho it's actually Jun ho Bong.
1: One whole bong?
0: <laughs> Jun ho Bong.
1: Huh. Well, I mean, we could always listen to an interview with him, and if he introduces himself, we would know for sure as to how he would, at least he would like to be introduced. Other way, can we get back to the movie? Yes. Okay. So, Memories of Murder. This came out, what, 2004? 2003, 2004?
0: Yes, 2003.
1: 2003. A solid 16 years before Parasite, and yet his directorial skills were already solid in this movie. Though I will say Parasite thematically really took that to another level with every scene. And I'm sure there's probably videos. I haven't watched any videos yet analyzing this movie. But knowing how much detail and how much precision went into Parasite, I'm sure there's a fair number of those, if not an equal amount, in this movie as well. Just with camera angles, with lighting, with... uh, Character themes that he might inject into the movie.
0: Just so you know, this was his second feature film. Jesus Christ! Yeah, and his first one was called Barking Dogs Never Bite. I think we should watch that as Guy's well. Guy's a
1: genius. He's yeah. like the what? Well, what director would you compare him to, like, uh, in the U.S. as far as just creative wise or just solid director wise? Just like can't make a bad film.
0: Uh, I mean Christopher I, Nolan. No, I'm not. See, Chris Nolan is. He can't make films like this though. Chris Nolan is makes. Memento. Uh, I guess that was, guess. That to was yeah. That was probably one of his uh, lower budget. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to compare him to any other director. I think he has his own. Category. He's in that class though. He, like yeah.
1: as far as like directors you think of as just at the top of their game, are they have they have their own mark in movies, which is hard. For a director,
0: Quentin Tarantino. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah. that class,
1: it uh, yeah. Like they're, you think you hear their name and you know what to expect from their kind of film.
0: Yeah, Martin Scorsese and yeah, you know, which is
1: definitely good company to be yeah.
0: among. Yeah, um, just so you know, it is this movie is also considered as one of the best South Korean films of all time.
1: I agree. To be able to make your second film. And to get that kind of designation is incredible. No, I mean, I don't know how many movies are made in South Korea, but still, just having that designation, your second movie, your second feature film, and you're already getting that uh, recognition is just incredible. I, I... They should have fucking won an Oscar for Best Picture back and do that in four instead of fucking Crash. Right. Jesus.
0: Right.
1: The solid movie.
0: This this is this is great. I really don't want to spoil this movie for people. It's it's just.
1: It's not okay. We were talking. We were comparing Article Fifteen as far as the filming style, similar to True Detective, but I would say this one more with the characters is closer to True Detective than Article Fifteen was because it was.
0: You didn't, I guess, see, I guess, you didn't see a lot of character development for uh, the main protagonist in article, article 15. Just man. a little
1: bit, but it wasn't much. Yeah. But this one, it, it really was more about the, the investigators than it was the murders. The murders were there, but it was kind of funny. It, now, I'm just saying it this now. Uh, in philosophy, when you're talking about uh, arguments, we have uh, this term called a red herring. Something to purposely divert you from the real meaning in a movie. And while we noticed all of the murder victims were wearing red, some sort of red, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: maybe that was, what was the director's name, Boon?
0: Jun Ho Bong. Jun Ho Bong.
1: Bong. Bong. Maybe that was his literal, that was the literal meaning of the red garments. It's a red herring for what you should be paying attention to in this movie, which was the interactions. Mm -hmm and the drama between the investigators and the struggles they were going through. And moreover, being someone that doesn't know a ton about South Korean life, especially in during that time, it was like the mid-80s, I was just, I don't even, amazed isn't the right word, astounded, uh, aghast, um, just the amount of poverty. You have people that are I guess, esteemed cops in this community, and yet they were living in apartments that people living in studios in New York City would still be, like, wow. Wow. Like, they'd have a little mat on the floor, and that same room would be the kitchen, and the bathroom was right off to the side, and that was pretty much it. And virtually everyone in this little area that they were in, this is outside of Seoul. It wasn't Seoul, South Korea. It was uh, some neighboring community. I wouldn't say it was a town, though. It was still pretty big. There's a lot of people living there.
0: No, it's still the suburb.
1: It was was more of a... It wasn't like Article 15, though, as far as small. There's still a shit ton of people. It's just not the main city.
0: Yeah.
1: But just the amount of poverty and just the the way of living back then, uh, it was... uh, I don't know, I, I just really appreciated the cultural insights I was getting from watching this movie and just from that period of time. Another thing that they juxtaposed during these events of the murders there these protests going on. They never actually explain what the protests are, but after doing a quick search uh, South Korea protests 1986, you find out that there were a lot of riots and protests over the current leadership of the day. And... They tied that in nicely with the movie. Mm-hmm. Nice little cultural elements for someone that's not terribly familiar with South Korean history.
0: Well, the thing I found very similar, like, South Korea is very similar to India
1: mm-hmm.
0: in a lot of ways.
1: They had the bars on the windows. I know it's a very superficial thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Smaller apartments. Well, yeah. The one's lucky enough to have an apartment.
0: Yeah. Um... So just so you feel a little bit more content since it didn't win the Oscar, um, Memories of March did...
1: Memories screen, of Murder, sorry, not March.
0: Memories of Murder did uh, screen at the the Cannes Film Festival, the Hawaii International Film Festival, London International Film Festival, Tokyo International Film Festival, and Sebastian International Fe- Festival. And he won the where Bong Joon-ho won the Best Director Award.
1: But not at the Oscars.
0: Director Quentin Tarantino named this movie, along with Bong's The Host, as one of his top 20 favorite movies of all times. It was also chosen as the best Korean film of the century.
1: I think that's why Quentin Tarantino is such a good director himself. He has good taste in film.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Man. This guy's oh. going to die a legend. I mean, he's already a legend, but... I mean, anyone... That's anyone that's going to name a list of f- top directors in the world, he has to be in probably the top 20. If not top 15, maybe top 10. But he, he's fucking great. He's does so, so much with so little.
0: Yep. Um, um, what would you rate this movie at?
1: Oh, God. It's, it's at very least on par with Black Friday. I would I, I think I would actually put it above Black Friday because unlike Black Friday, I'm a, I'm a sucker for character studies, and I thought... I really liked the investment, the time investment they had in this movie just exploring the characters. So I would say anywhere from a 9 to 9.5. I, I don't know how much... I, I don't know how... A director could really make a much better film within like with the story with the filmmaking the cinematography I mean I could probably go back and nitpick it that's probably what the point five would be for but it's a great movie I had very little to I, I enjoyed every second I watched of it
0: I would put it at 9
1: 9 Just it's a great movie I, I, I loved it it, was, you know, it started off a little slow but it was established in the character's I, I really enjoyed, and th- this is a little cultural element that. Turn your sound off. It's fine. Don't what worry about it.
0: What um, sound
1: was that? It sounded like your email.
0: No, it's not
1: on. It wasn't anything here. It was on your computer. It doesn't matter what I was saying, uh, and this is a topic I wanted to talk about, anyways. But watching movies from completely different cultures, I you get these little cultural artifacts or gems or insights, insights, probably a better word as to just how people think. And the one thing that immediately struck me in this movie was the scene that you're talking about. When you have this investigator coming to a scene, seeing a dead naked woman under a drained uh, a drain pipe, whatever and this kid, just kind of mockingly mirroring everything that he's doing in almost a comical sense. So at this time of tragedy, it's hard almost not to laugh. And I don't know if this is just something with his movies. I would like to watch other South Korean films and see if they have this level of ambiguity with tone. If it's just kind of like a lot of dark comedy esque things, where it's like, there's a constant juxtaposition between comedy and tragedy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but for a movie so prominent as this, the fact that this kind of dynamic was so in play, I, I don't know. I just found it was very interesting. What do you think?
0: I, I definitely loved the, the play between the, uh, the lightheartedness and the seriousness of the movie. Um, also like I, I loved how, um, uh, park's character was like you know almost kind of sh- trying to fabricate evidence because he was so desperate to find the killer just to find that you know th- there's nowhere close to it uh i loved how like he really beat the shit out of the the uh, that really special needs kid oh and- god don't say loved well, not loved, but you it know. wasn't him
1: though. It was his buddy that wore a but, sock but over the boot. Both of them were yes. there, though, yeah. you know,
0: and then later bought him shoes when he realized that that was probably not the guy.
1: Yeah, it seemed like initially they—I I don't know what their intentions really were—but it, it almost seemed like they were more for the notoriety of just solving this case than they were actually solving this case. But as the movie progressed, they were more and more serious about actually finding the killer and the tone of the movie definitely shifted more and more towards the darker elements than the comedic elements like i felt like towards the latter half of the movie there wasn't really that lighthearted feel at all it it just got dark real quick um like it initially he had the funny moments like when he was in the sauna looking at pubic hair and <laughs> or the lack thereof and it's like these moments in the movie you're just laughing even though you're in the middle of this murder murder mystery, it feels like you're watching an episode of, like, Pink Panther. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, su- I'm assuming that was the director's intent with this movie. It's like just the, the, the shift and where the characters were at, at the beginning of the movie. They weren't taking the mirror nearly as seriously, nor was the community. You had all the community sabotaging the fucking murder scene, walking all over it. They got farmers driving over, yeah, foot tracks, footprints. It just no one was taking the fact the the fact that people are, women are being murdered and raped seriously, Mm-mm. and the tone of the movie reflected that. Um. Now the the one thing, the one thing I wanted to mention though, was, uh, you made me forget. I forgot. not the tone of the movie the fuck hmm <laughs> fuck mm, fuck there's a point I was trying to get to but I meandered too long and I forgot what my point was
0: that's don't derail derail you're such a fucking moron it derail nothing... it has nothing to do with we're that we're bringing
1: that back from the dead
0: alright uh, so anyways um you said that you're gonna put that at
1: nine point five? Nine to nine point five. Um oh, fuck it, I'll go nine point five. I'll be ballsy on this one. It was I there was nothing. I mean unless you can unless you can counter me with some obvious faults, I see nothing wrong with a nine point five.
0: No, I, I definitely think, you know, nine nine to nine point five.
1: Yeah. Um it's a good movie. Alright, so uh I guess we'll end on this. Current news. Apparently, I, I haven't checked. I haven't checked. I haven't checked an update. You got the computer, but apparently Kim Jong-un might be dead.
0: Or in a vegetative state. Or a
1: vegetative state. So his sister, in any event, may be the successor.
0: Oh, this as is supreme
1: like, leader of North Korea. This is What's like your prediction? Every-
0: this is like every feminist's wet dream.
1: A woman becoming a leader of an authoritarian state. Yeah. I I'm interested though, will she really make will she really make that much different in North Korean society? I'm uh, wondering.
0: I don't think so. I think it's you know, if probably gonna continue with the legacy and if not there has to be like a huge revolution in the country to just, you know, destroy the state and re-establish new laws, new government.
1: All I'll say is this, she hasn't taken power, but she at least looks like she's in better health. That's all I'll say.
0: Yep.
1: So, on that note, thank you guys for listening to the Simber Dialogues. This was episode 004. And this is, what, April 25th. We are dated for April 25th, so don't hold any of our predictions or any of our words to anything that happens after this day. There you go. All right. Any last thoughts?
0: Well, uh, it's been a very interesting week. We are ending the week on a um, positive note, I guess. Not for the Kim family. uh, Not for the Kim family, but maybe for the rest of the world and for the North Koreans. It may be (laughs) uh, a little bit of a positive news, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, And we'll see how it develops. Maybe he'll come back from the dead. Maybe he'll be Jesus. He'll be resurrected uh, three days from now. But we'll see going forward in the next week. We'll probably discuss about this more in our uh, following episode.
1: Depending on what happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To be continued.
1: Yes. Well, you heard it here at the Simber Dialogues. I hope you've been enjoying our broadcasts to the World Wide Web. And thank you for
0: listening. Thank you. you.
1: Bye-bye.
0: See you next week.